Welcome to Rumor Flies. I am Ryan here with Greg from Indef Media. No! You no, no, it's not how this works. <laughs> oh, I'm Josh, and that's and I'm him. Greg from that company he Damn mentioned. It. Nobody <laughs> wins in this situation. <laughs> you were just waiting for that. <laughs> if y'all are gonna be in the competition, I may as well throw my hand in there too. Uh, anyway. Remember, we shouldn't laugh at our own jokes, guys. It's yeah, exactly. <laughs> here we go. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> We're not funny. ISJ, Any- guys, ISJ. So we're back with the eighth episode of season three, and today we are going to be talking about Justin Bieber. Oh, the Beliebers, right? Yeah, no. Actually, before we get into what the episode is about, even though you probably read the title, we are going to have two plugs today to make up for all the ones that we didn't have in the previous episodes. The first one is going to be about Jacks of Trades. They're from New Orleans. They're great group of dudes. They are like a career day podcast that talk about all sorts of different like trade. <laughs> what? <laughs> Nailed it. I really, I really wish you actually didn't know what the show was and you were actually trying to do that. All, like trying to just guess it. That would have been amazing. Yeah. Like if you want to be a plumber on Monday, we tell you how to be a fucking plumber. You know, if uh, you want to know how to, uh, you know, rewire your internal household with insulation, we got your back. You want to learn how to steal copper out of under people's houses? <laughs> oh, Jesus. We can tell you who to sell it to. Yeah. Well, basically, though, uh, Jack's a Trade is another show I produce um, because, as I always joke, what I need in my life is even more podcasting. Um, but so it's Mike Durrett and Davis Calais. They're awesome podcast hosts. We talk about, well, they mostly talk about comic books. It's a biweekly show. Um, or by month, sorry, by monthly show, by weekly, whichever one it be. I'm not sure. It's every other week. Both, I think they both. Oh, yeah, by monthly is every two months. By weekly is every two weeks. I've heard it go both yeah, ways. I've, yeah, I've seen some weird stuff about Semi-monthly that. Semi-monthly is the word you're looking for. It is the first and third Wednesday of every month. <laughs> we'll solve that right now. Um, so they review various trade paperbacks, graphic novels, and comics um, from various indie publishers, mainstream publishers. Uh, it's got a bunch. Of, there's a whole lot more to it. I'm going to let this recording go ahead and explain the rest. Do you like comic books? Do you like people talking about comic books? Do you not like comic books? If you like comic books and hearing people with funny accents talk about it, well, there's probably another podcast out there for you. But if you like comic books and people with regular southern accents, either way, check out Jacks of Trades, now on iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. Okay, now time for plug number two. We are going to be plugging one of our longtime listeners, Justin, is actually starting a GoFundMe account to do a documentary on the making of the Little Shop of Horrors. Now, for me, uh, I mean, also, we're just doing this because he's, he's been a nice, loyal listener, and I'll do yeah. it for him, you know? He's been cool. Like, he's written in a couple times. We've talked he's to him. He's even, like, tuned yeah. into I3P and everything. But anyway, he's trying to do a, a documentary about the making of Little Shop of Horrors, and he's just trying to start up to get some of the original source material about the making of it, scripts and such like that, you know, original commentary, uh, tons of things. And we're going to provide a link on also Twitter or website, wherever you want to find it. It won't be hard to look at it. Show notes? Yeah, yeah why not? Why not? <laughs> and yeah, we, we got the chance to talk to him a little bit. And um, when he reached out, I actually was, just so you know, dude, if you're listening, Ryan immediately was like, hey, we got to respond to him. He is such a great guy. He's been listening to us forever. And I was really excited because as a history major and filmmaker and all that stuff, the it immediately appealed to me. And when I took a look at it, because a, let's face it, there's a lot of Kickstarters for a lot of filmmaking out there. It's a GoFundMe, yeah, thank you very much. That's true, it is GoFundMe. Same There's a lot us. of crowdfunding for a lot of filmmaking out there, and not all projects are equal. <laughs> there's, a, uh, there's a lot of garbage out there, unfortunately. <laughs> and uh, Not necessarily that I'm excluded from that. And <laughs> he, his project is so fascinating, and it's such a dedication, especially to the archival research and getting to primary sources that 
took me back honestly to undergrad and like going through national archives and things like that. And it just, it seems like such a cool extensive project. He understands what it costs and the effort it takes. And from what I gathered talking to him about it, it's also the launching point for continued projects of this nature. He's starting with Little Shops of Horror and um, Little Shop of Horrors, sorry. And is going to use that as the- That's the sequel? Yeah, Little Shops of Horror. And um, he's- By James Cameron. There you go. And he's he's using it as the template for a potential podcast. He's a, you know he's got a few ideas going there, but it's really you should definitely check it out. We'll let the you can go ahead and check it out yourself and see better description than what we're giving here. But definitely consider uh, investing, uh, donating to it. I guess throw him a couple bucks. You might yeah, see something cool out of it. Yeah, I definitely plan on it, and uh, it's it looks like a very very cool project, and he's clearly done his due diligence. So good luck to you, buddy. Yeah, yeah, and uh, we're like we're doing this to help him out. We're not getting anything out of it. Though, if you want to throw like a Rick Moranis interview our way, we'd be forever. Right. Oh also, God. I'm a decent. Um, <laughs> That'd be amazing. I'm a decent fan of musicals. Like I only got recently got into when I was delivering pizza. I remember um, I got into musicals because the local radio station played musicals at the time that I started delivering all the time, and I got into like Sweeney Todd and all sorts of different. Dude, I love musicals. Like that. Yeah, and I, I'm I think I'm a more recent fan than you. So, but I think it's really cool that he's doing that because Little Shop is a very unique one. Uh, and obviously Rocky Horror is my favorite, but you know. Uh, anyway, so should we jump into the show topic? Let's go. Today we are talking about animals again, which Just was like an. Animals, animals, animals. <laughs> Both of you are fired. <laughs> This oh, is no. a one-hand show. No, I depend on this income <laughs> we, for rent. We had a no. we had a no maroon five clause in my, this agreement. My Medicare copay. It. No. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> last season was really fun for uh, animals. I really enjoyed it, dude. That was a great episode. I loved it. I really did. I thought that was and, one of our. And better we're gonna episodes. have some recurring themes. I think, like uh, kind of along the lines of what happened last season. But anyway, it's. I think this one's going to be one that's going to stick around for a while. Just it's fun. Like, it's it's like it's really cool research. I re- like it is some of my favorite research I've done for the show. And I don't think we really need much of a primer for these because they're own isolated topics. Actually, all of them are pretty different from each According other. According to so. Wikipedia, an animal is defined. As, sorry. Oh yeah, we did have to define bears last time for uh, <laughs> the survival myths, I believe. So we have to define a shark next time. But uh, not much to get into. Do you have any little primer for it, Josh? I mean, do, should we like start off with, yeah, we really like animals over here. Uh, yeah, I think that's uh, like, I'll say this. There's one animal in particular that I now think is one of the most awesome animals ever because of this episode. Okay. And also for research, we're now all card-carrying PETA members. We recently freed a turkey farm. So, you know. I'm about to go get Chick-fil-A after this, actually. <laughs> <laughs> it's not Turk-fil-A, so. Oh. <laughs> All right. I guess I'll just jump into the first topic here. Yeah, let's go. So the the first topic I'm going to talk about is something now I've heard it, uh, especially growing up, we went camping a lot. Um, we had we had a, a motorhome, we had a pop up tent, we had a pop up camper, and we also had a, like an RV where we used to go camping all the time. Well, aren't you just redneck gold? Oh, it was wonderful. And um, <laughs> redneck. Gold. I actually always really like the idea of doing an RV. Thing. It's fun, dude. Like yeah. I really enjoy. No, it, it really is. Up. I remember um, I went RVing with uh, one of my old time grammar school friends. You know who it is. I went with him too. Yeah, and that was the first time I got sand kicked in my eyes. Great first, memories. I saw my first pair of boobs with him. Some lady flashed us. I, don't ask okay, that. Don't ask it was in Pensacola. There was no way it was enjoyable. No, it was Navarre, and it wasn't enjoyable, but it was still boobs when you're 14. Okay. So um, one of the things that we would always see walking through the woods, <laughs> Jesus, um, you would see like bird's nests and things like that. And I remember one time specifically, there was a, a bird's nest that fell out of a tree still intact. 
Uh, and there was, you know, eggs inside of it. And I remember my dad telling me, you know, don't touch the eggs. Leave the eggs alone. The mother won't want it. And that's exactly what we're going to cover today is you're not supposed to touch a baby bird that falls out of a tree or you're not supposed to touch the eggs as well because it will force the mother bird to I, run I away. haven't heard the eggs version. Yeah. Also, I just realized I love listening to this. I heard the baby bird. Yeah, that, that this is a good this is a good one I saw on the list. I um so yeah, you're not supposed to touch the eggs or the bird because because of the the scent of humans and their touch, the the mother would reject it. Now, when I sat down and thought about this, I kind of came across like a weird conclusion, which oddly enough made sense in my head, was that this thinking implies that birds are so afraid of humans that our scent alone would drive them away from their own young. See, the way I heard it was that, like, when you touch them, like, your oils get onto their feathers yeah, and then, like, it, it throws off the scent and, like, yeah. oh, this can't be my kid. It doesn't smell like I'm my so kid. glad y'all use that phrase because I'm going to get into that. So thank you both. Well, yeah, yeah. that's it's like, God, it's kind that's of... That's the version we definitely heard. I it's the idea kid. of, like, you know, <laughs> um, a kid gets lost in a grocery store and they go to, like, a... God damn it, Ryan, I have it in my notes! What? <laughs> <laughs> my, my understanding of it is just, like... The mom, you bring it like the, the cashier finds the kids. Like I lost my mom. This happened to me. I remember seeing one lady that like looked just like my mom went to her, and it wasn't my mom. And I flipped my shit. I just started like bawling, crying in the middle of the grocery store because I wanted to show her my Transformers Jello that I found. Um, the important things. But in life. pretty much, it would have been like I mean, Transformers Jello, dude. It would have been like if like when I went to that cashier and they found my mom after going to the intercom, and then like my mom goes up and it's like, yeah, it sounded like my kid. What is it? But since the cashier touched like. Was holding my shoulders when uh, <laughs> when I was uh, like being introduced to my mom again. She was just like, "That's not my kid. F*** off. Doesn't smell like my kid. Uh, bye." And then just leaves. And I am a property of the grocery store after that. That's the interpretation of these birds, right? Yes. Okay. Um, so Ryan, that is you... a hell of a story to round back. You no, know, Ryan. <laughs> just uh, <laughs> the real ending was my mom actually found me and took me home. I, but... I imagine. Well, Ryan, just come have a seat on Poppy Josh's lap, and uh, we'll we'll tell you about why that's nonsense. All right. Okay. So um, one of the things that I'm really glad you brought up was that the scent of humans would deter them. Oddly enough, birds are not that good at not only tasting but smelling. Well, yeah. I mean, their noses are part of their mouths, huh? Well, their yeah, beaks-ish, but I'm whatever. Just, uh, but the point being is that they can't smell that well. So much so, like an example that I that I came across. If you have a bird feeder, right, that to feed the birds, mm-hmm. number one problem you have is like squirrels and other things getting in there, taking the food from them, right? So you put cayenne pepper or other things in there to deter the squirrels and other insects. Doesn't deter birds because they they can't smell it. And they also can't feel cayenne. Uh, there you go. Well, capsaicin. Yep, they can't taste it nor smell it, so that's why they'll still go along and eat the food, but the other animals go away. Yeah, that was a quick fact. I have to deal with birds eating my peppers every se- every mm-hmm. summer, so yeah. So yes, the birds will eat there still without hesitation while these other things just run in the opposite direction. Now, I wasn't able to find the origin of this, but I actually think I have a pretty good answer as to why people believe this. Right. It's weird. Last season, I think we were able to get a few of the origins for these animal myths. Uh, this one, I, I've come up kind of short because it's like we've had, a, I think these are more like arcane type of stuff that's been said for millennia almost probably, or hundreds of years at least. A long time, yeah. So, I mean, the lemmings thing, we got down, down to like, what, a Disney documentary? Yeah, we, we, we got that one. But, but you couldn't get a solid thing on this one? No, but I, but I think my, my reasoning, I think you'll be on board with, and it's like birds aren't dumb. If they come back to their nest, but <laughs> it's, it's, I mean, it's birds aren't it's dumb. more than that, but like they're not dumb. They come back to their nest and they see like these eggs have shifted or that 
these birds are in a different position than they were when they left. They're going to take that as a sign a predator was nearby. So they'll, they'll just like get the fuck out of there. Raptors took them eggs. Exactly. <laughs> Raptor eggs. So they'll just leave, though, because it's a, um, you know, fight or flight kind of thing. And they'd rather sacrifice their children, despite how much it might hurt them, you know, or kill them to do that to preserve their own life. And they'll just, you know, make more birds later on down the line. Terrible mothers. Right. I didn't say they weren't. They were good. But, um, you know, that's also why another prime example, you know, Ryan, they never found any birds sunken on the on the ship of the Titanic. That's why they just got out of there. Well, I would assume they would have done that. (laughs) But, like, their natural instincts are to protect their young and, and their nest and things like that. But, yeah, I think because people would see maybe putting these eggs back in the nest and they would be rearranged. And when the bird left, the bird would just get out of there as fear of a predator being there. So that's kind of where it stemmed from. I don't know. That was that was my own logic behind it because that apparently is a, is a pretty common thing with birds. So, but at the same rate. Should you touch the birds or not? The baby birds? It doesn't. Yeah. Uh, well, it's okay. Baby birds. I'll, I'll get to in a second. Eggs. Um, eggs yeah, it, it, it's fine. You know, you're not supposed to like sit there and like hold them and incubate them against, you know, your chest or anything. But like, yeah, you if they fall, you can put them back in there. It's not going to deter the bird away or anything like that. Unless can I die them like... Easter style and then put them back in the nest? <laughs> I... <laughs> Greg, <laughs> that's your job now. <laughs> What if you were to die a live bird egg? Because, I mean, I will say I'm one of those people that has eaten balut. You've seen me do it. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's like the duck fetus that's been cooked. I've had it, too. Yeah. I've it's had it. It's delicious. I fucking love it. I just don't like the juices. The juices are... That's the best part about it. It tastes uh, like chicken broth. I don't like the juices, man. That's, Can't not, do that, it. that's fine. I, I don't fault anybody for not wanting to try it. It is very alien to... This type of culture. Like, so the first thing I don't mean to interrupt. This is actually very interesting. I didn't know people did this. I need. To, so New York Times has a headline: "Dying Easter Chicks Raises Concerns." You take regular food coloring and inject it in the egg on the 18th day. What? What? Yeah. 18th day look, of I'm what? I'm keep reading this. I think of the egg. Holy crap! This uh, looks like a Mardi Gras float. It's just a. <laughs> This is your people, Greg. Dude, I'm going to post a link to what? this. What? Holy. They are what? coloring baby chick. Okay, so for listeners, maybe some of you are familiar with this. I've <laughs> never heard of this. I've <laughs> never seen maybe this in guys, a joke. That was not a good audio uh, medium. Uh, <laughs> we just got, ooh, I should, I, the date wasn't in the uh, Google search. I see the April date 1st. now in the headline, April 1st. I see nah, Did we just nah, get nah. fake news? Did Well, it wasn't on the. Uh, we got alternative fact. It it. Oh, no, we got hit. <laughs> Damn. That's a 2012 <laughs> one, too. They were ahead of the curve. Yeah. Good job, man. Times. Anyway, sorry. They rabble-roused you. Dude, that was the first hit. That's crazy. See, folks, that's why you don't listen to Greg. Hey, no, that's why you always check your sources and your dates. <laughs> and leave a note. Notice how quickly. And notice I also said I'm going to read this further before confirming. <laughs> by the way. Meaning I'm going to check the date. <laughs> by the way, good example of a prank because let's be real. We all believe that was possible. That's better than the spaghetti trees. I would great, believe that somebody would do that, that for Mardi Gras. That's a great example. Sorry. Anyway, let's get back on track. That all right. Amazing. So I will say the salted caramel moon pie is a real thing, though. Okay. So now this brings up the question of moving the nest away from the young. Like if uh, it gets blown out of a tree, um, if you should just move the baby birds themselves or whatever. And that you should not do because the last thing you want to do is separate, you know, the child from the mother, as Ryan so elegantly pointed out before, because we've all had those moments in the supermarket skipping over that joke because Ryan already went there. Sorry. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So one last bit of information uh, about finding a baby bird on the ground. Okay, here we go. It depends on what stage the bird is at. 
That's the best answer I can give you. So birds without feathers need to be in the nest. So it is okay to pick them up and stick them back in the nest if, they, if you find them not there. Okay. Notice I said no feathers. If it has feathers, you're doing it more harm than good by doing that. Those birds are old enough to where they can fly, but not at the rate you know a typical bird does. So they're still learning how to do it. So they're freeloaders. So what they do is, is they, they're on the ground building up their strength while their mother brings them food and other things and teaches them survival skills. Ah. So they're learning how to still bird, still learning to bird mm-hmm. while being on the ground. And they'll eventually work their way up to where they can fly, you know, wherever they want. Oh, it's like, like when my swim instructor threw me in the pool and only threw me a fun noodle after I started bobbing twice. That's right. That's okay. exactly it. That's how it works, Ryan. You right. nailed it. They threw me a Lunchable, too, occasionally. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so that that's the big thing is if it has feathers, it's actually supposed to be on the ground wherever it is. And the mother knows where it's at. So by moving it, you're actually doing more harm than good because you're interrupting I believe I read is it's called like the cycle of their something or another. I don't remember, but you're it's supposed to be where it is if it has feathers. So touching the egg or the bird does not deter it away the mother away from feeding them unless they feel like it's been ransacked and it's being threatened by a predator. Then it will leave. But more times than not, no, you'll be fine. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking, like, just the terminology. I'm thinking about a human ransacking a nest. Like, <laughs> it's one thing to ransack someone's house, but to ransack a bird nest involves a shoe. I wasn't, so. <laughs> I wasn't implying humans were doing the ransacking, Ryan. Okay. But what if? <laughs> okay, I mean, like, maybe. Yeah. All right. So just pretty much don't mess with the bird if it's on the ground. It's just a little unless if it doesn't have if it's, a, you know, doesn't have feathers, you can put it back in the nest. But if it's a big, beautiful baby bird that does have feathers, then you leave just it like, you know, well, hindsight right here. Don't help the baby. Don't help the chick out of the egg. You know, that type of thing. kind of thing. Yeah, exactly. I've never I, I'm not sure about that one. I know you're not supposed to do it for reptiles because I had a chameleon. And for some reason, I looked that up for baby chameleons, which I never had one. I was going to say but, you didn't have a baby chameleon. But I do know you're not supposed to help them out of the eggs. Huh. I don't know how it is, but I'm not I'm not worrying about that I right now. I feel like we just found another topic for the next animals episode. And then some... There's going to be like a whole other podcast just like Stuff Room and Flies talks about they're going to cover next season. They just do it <laughs> their season. Just listening intently. Oh, we got one. Listeners, if you want to be the junior podcast to Rumor Flies... Let us know. Myths flutter. (laughs) (laughs) But that's it. That's all I got about them big, beautiful baby birds. Okay. All right. So what we're going to be talking about for my first topic is toads give you warts. Pretty straight and simple, right? Yeah. I've heard this my entire life. Like, don't touch that toad. You'll get warts. Yeah. I've heard of like different ways of like if it pees on you, you get warts or something like that. I even so my dad. I thought if you peed on it, it gave you warts. Okay. I'm (laughs) glad I wasn't like alone there because I know. I've never heard that one. No, 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 no. My dad comes from a very, very. Yeah, he does. Yeah. Cajun. (laughs) Greg. Coon ass. Coon ass. (laughs) Part of Louisiana. (laughs) And his version of it, if you pee on a toad, uh, you get warts. Number one, who the fuck was peeing on a toad? Uh, number two, that's like, they're not railroad lines. <laughs> so, I mean, that's something we could cover on lo- alone. Don't piss on the electric fence, right? Yeah. So, it's that type of deal. Uh, but the more general version of it is if you touch the warts on, the warts, quote air quotations, if you can't see it, which you definitely can if you're listening. Yeah, Josh sees it. He can attest to it. Um, you will get warts, too. 
So that's pretty straight and simple. Does anybody have any other variations of this? I've also yet, you know, Peter. It's always been touch, touch certain frogs. You might get warts. That's okay. always been the version I've heard. So fair enough. Well, I've always heard toads. I've never heard frog. Yeah, toads. I said toads. Yeah, he said frogs. No, oh, whatever. I've heard. We're not bringing frogs, frogs into this all at all. Kind of I could have brought frogs in this different. and extended this by like twenty minutes. Like but... crocodile and alligator. Yeah, like they're technically yeah. different, but like the idea is that that type of animal. If you touch it, you might get mm-hmm. warts. Yeah. I actually did have to Google the difference between a toad and a frog. and it's I really, don't know the difference. So they're both amphibians, meaning they both leave their eggs in the water, and Thank they have you. a semi-aquatic life. Appreciate that. Most of them. They also have, like, you know, the toads that live in the desert, but they have to find a source of water to lay their eggs. Uh, but toads generally are the ones with the drier, more bumpy skin. Like, if you think it's a toad, it probably is a toad. Most people see uh, frogs as being, like... Um, smooth skinned or something like that or a bit shinier i, I see them more as like slimy like, yeah uh, yeah that's probably a better uh that's a good way to put it i mean generally if you can go through a whole list just uneducated and just say toad frog toad frog toad frog you'd probably get 80 percent or higher when it comes to classification <laughs> that's a b i'll fucking take it yeah so there you go anyway uh so once again could not find a definite origin on this type of uh myth and i looked for a a good while. I looked for like 20 minutes. That was the exact number I was going to use. <laughs> I use a lot of search terms on Google, okay? Anyway, uh, and I even... Okay, so I had this really helpful book. I think it was called uh, Animal Myths and Their Origins. Mm-hmm. It was a little PDF uh, written by... I'll get the name later, but it's in the show notes. Uh <laughs> <laughs> the guy's name is, I'll get the name later, PhD. Charles L. Edwards. There we go. Thank you. So anyway, my little, once again, you got to put your little spin on why you thought that was a real, uh, why the myth existed. Mm-hmm. Mine is that it stems from the like equals like causes from like the medieval times. Remember how we talked about, I think, last episode about, you know, kidney beans were good for your kidney, you know, and certain like phallic shaped things were good for, you know, virulence and libido type of deal. This one I figured is since toads have quote unquote warts on them, if you they touch them, you, warts, you huh? can get warts. Yeah, I can I can get behind that logic. Yeah. That one's pretty simple reasoning when pushed for a reason, you know? So that's what I'm going with for right now. Because people have called them warts. I've constantly seen on there warts happen on toads, you know. So let's actually go into what warts are before we, you know, circle back to toads. Warts are a phenomenon in humans that is caused by something called HPV, and that stands for, does anybody know? Human papillomavirus. So does that eliminate anything immediately yet? Sex. No, no. You can get HPV from sex, right? Yeah, you can. With humans. That's what the doctor told me. So... (laughs) (laughs) So... Uh, yeah, but I know yeah, HPV, that makes sense. Warts yeah. are specific to human papillomavirus, and that means that it is a virus specific to humans, which is pretty much you can't catch them from anything else. Well, can't certain animals, I guess, I don't know if the name says everything, though, because it doesn't, well, yeah, I guess if they're going to put human in it, then it wouldn't affect, but can animals be carriers of human? In like, a very like, like, like armadillos? In a very technical yeah, leprosy, sense. Yeah. Uh, I have but a they are affected coming by full leprosy, circle, too. Going back to last season. Like I said, Going to that, you know, humans are did, more did likely to culprit. Did Josh just jack your thing? Did Josh just get it? No, that was like a, <sighs> I, said, I mentioned it earlier. So close, so close. You, I know. You hit I'd, the nail I'd on the like, head. Like one time. We didn't give one toads time. warts. I'll tell you that much. But it is most of the same thing where we should, like, we should blame humans more than armadillos. Anyway, so uh, how, is, how are warts transmitted? Like, how is human papillomavirus specifically transmitted? A little quote right here. 
That's one way. Yes. <laughs> I'm not wrong. <laughs> yeah. Actually, uh, HPV is one of the main causes of cervical cancer, which is why uh, yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah. Screen for that. And once mm-hmm. you have it, it's in you forever. Yeah, I know it's a pretty serious dealio. So anyway, uh, here's a little quote. Uh, there's all number one. There's a hundred, like over a hundred unique types of HPV. So all of them do different things. Like, like anything can. Yeah, they can cause genital warts. They can cause regular warts. They can cause no warts at all, and just cause cervical cancer. It's it just depends. It's a broad spectrum. But yeah, okay. this is what's responsible for warts. And this quote here is: People get warts from other people with warts. They don't get them from frogs and toads. Says Robert Brodell, M.D., a dermatologist in Warren, Ohio. The most common way is direct skin-to-skin contact, such as shaking hands with someone who has had warts on their hand. You can also get them uh, get the virus from inanimate objects, like towels that have been used by someone with a wart. <laughs> so, Greg, going back to there, say somebody was petting a toad, and they have warts, and then you pet that toad. That would be the only way you could get toad like uh, a wart, wart from, from toads. Toad, yeah. yeah. So, technically, yes, Greg, we'll go with that one. Now, the likelihood of it, I'd say very low. Yeah, probably probably minimal. Yeah. Uh, and for anybody that happens to have warts right now, a little PSA, easiest removal is with salicylic acid, which is also used for acne, uh, nail polish, clear tape, or anything else that will suffocate a virus. So any way that you would get a tick off of you, same way you would do it for a wart. Oh, Kind okay. of interesting, right? Yeah. yeah. I didn't know that. So, like, would you recommend just, like, dousing the wart with, like, nail polish remover and then putting, like, duct tape over it? Uh, I think that's redundancy, but it, it wouldn't hurt. And number one, it says clear tape. You never use duct tape, man. You oh, never use duct, duct tape. tape. Well, no, clear tape. But the duct uh, tape fixes everything. Last little thing it says, uh, I thought this was amusing. Why you buy gaff tape, kids? If your warts cause you emotional. <laughs> I'm the fucking filmmaker. Yeah, right? He. <laughs> <laughs> little uh, this, had, this brought to you by Roscoe <laughs> slash ProGaff that slash joke that joke brought to you by Indef Media. <laughs> little behind the curtain for Rumor Flies for like the first bit of Just startup. You, you, ProGaff is going to call and they're going to say we want to sponsor your show and you're all going to be thinking that's me. fine. We're still waiting for Bunny Bread as it is. I know <laughs> we have not forgotten. Uh, all right, back on yeah, the rails. Uh, so. Uh, if your warts are causing you emotional or physical discomfort, see a dermatologist who can freeze or burn the wart off or use immune-boosting medicines. I had this little, like, almost no fingerprint on my um, on my index finger on my Should left hand. someone. Uh, dude, old doctor, new equipment. They try to laser my wart off. I, do you know what burning flesh smells like? Because I do. I was awake like for hair, that when I was six fire, years old. You know? I was, did. I did have a wart that was on my hand when I was a kid, and they froze it off. It was a very weird experience. They burned mine off, and I still have a dent in my finger because of that. Because it was like new technology, and that was terrifying for me as a kid. I guess that's why I'm scared of surgery now. Well, I not will that s- nobody shouldn't be. Well, I mean, I'll say that like uh, Ryan, we've talked about this. It's not the surgery we're scared about; it's the anesthesia. Um, yeah. <laughs> but when I had that wart taken off of me, like it was a really weird experience because it was. Like if if I dude I know I was a kid, but I can almost like ninety nine point nine percent assure you that they used some sort of um oh oh man now I'm blanking on I can see it the the really really cold stuff the uh, liquid nitrogen yes liquid nitrogen they very well could have actually. yeah I remember them like using liquid nitrogen to freeze it off and no it, that- it, it, like it just fell off. That definitely it says freeze or burn the ward off. So yeah. go to either side of the heat spectrum and then you're good. But, yeah, so that's a way to do it. We're just going to put a, a little dollop of lava right there on there for you, little kiddo. It's going to come right off. Don't worry. It wouldn't not work. <laughs> You're technically not wrong. I mean, if you remove the finger, there can't be a wart on the finger. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> Another issue is scissors. You can use those, too. So, um, 
Ow, we're getting pretty macabre right here. Damn. So anyway, uh, so frogs. Now that we know that frogs and toads are innocent, I know I wouldn't bring up frogs, but yeah, they're innocent too. Uh, what does happen if you touch these bumps? Well, it turns out that these bumps are actually glands on the frog that are a defensive mechanism. If you lick them, it can either... Uh, if you lick them, touch we're going, them... We're going back uh, to that now. Also, frogs. yeah, we've already talked about this. Bifotinin, which just makes you trip. But there's a myriad of different, like, bufo suffix... Uh, sorry, prefix chemicals that come from toads that come out of those glands that can either be a bad taste, they can make you trip, like we said, or they can just straight up irritate your skin or eyes or kill you. So... Unless you are a frog expert, uh, I don't think that's a herpetologist because it's just for reptiles. But uh, just straight up, don't lick a frog unless you exactly know which frog it is, unless it's legal to lick frogs in you know your what? state. We're just going to cover our bases. Just don't lick frogs. Yeah, let's go with don't lick frogs. You know what? I'll go ahead and just limit all those unless. We'll just, we'll just stop uh, right there. I yeah. love how you two have like adopted my usual backtracking and protecting us. Like I don't have to say it now. I'm we don't even have to get the gray guys anymore. The so, like... I'm such a proud parent. <laughs> I'm growing up right before my eyes. Oh my god. Oh, we're gonna enjoy the outtakes. <laughs> but uh <laughs> Lick every fucking frog that you want, alright? Yeah. Yeah. I just licked a frog before I got here. Fuck <laughs> you guys. Y'all Greg Tilton, 2013. Oh <laughs> uh, Dr. Franks. So anyway, uh, these are called granular glands on frogs. And as I said, the secretions can cause a myriad of different things. And even they are so effective, like it usually it can be like a little clear like secretion you can't even see. Or it can be like a white, disgusting mucus. Don't look up the uh, Google images of frog secretions because I wanted to vomit after that. <laughs> It's disgusting. The surest way to get everyone to look it up, and then they're going to blame us. <laughs> it's reverse psychology. We want you to look it up, but not really. Don't look it up. We get clickbait from it. Yes, exactly. Uh, we're in with big secretions. So, um, uh, here we are. Uh, <laughs> so, anyway. Like Saturday night. Yeah. <laughs> but a little interesting tidbit about these, uh, these, to uh, these toads. They have caused some evolutionary ad adaptations. There are... Two different species of snake that they have uh, pretty much said almost indefinitely have evolved to make their heads smaller so they would not be able to fit these types of toads in their mouth. Uh, the cane toad, if I'm correct, the most deadly one, so they wouldn't get poisoned. It was an evolutionary adaptation. Even cooler, hedgehogs have learned to actually... They, they Hedgehogs are actually like super predators. They like jump on snakes' backs to like break them, and then they eat snakes and all sorts of different types of animals. Oh, wow. Yeah, hedgehogs are badasses, even more so to the point that they can lick the secretions off of a frog, some of the venomous ones or non-venomous ones, even the bad tasting, and then they lick their quills so that they have even better defenses. Huh. Like, it's like a poison buff. It's awesome. <laughs> it's really 10. cool. I thought that was a really cool little tidbit. Did hedgehogs roll a 20 right there? Yeah. Well, no, it's more like they just had, like, uh, plus 10 poison for your weapon, like oh, your okay. dagger. Okay. It's a temporary thing. But do they got to run fast? No, they're not Sonic, okay? Actually, that'd be a cool one, Poison Sonic. That's a new game. Uh, so let's talk about a little bit of uh, folklore for toads. <laughs> but Toad lore. I don't know why I paused so much for that. So, uh, of course, we have the, the hidden royalty or demon trope. Like, you know, either it's a princess or a prince or a maiden or... Yeah, okay, okay. Well, yeah, that type of thing. Or Ganondorf, it's a yeah, yeah. Or it's a demon in disguise type of deal. Yeah, Ganondorf, whatever. There are a few other different types of uh, 
folkloric connections for toads. Like, for instance, in Japan, they considered that the... This is from that PDF that I was reading, that, that book about, you know, animal myths and their origins. The oils from a toad are poisonous. Number one, I don't know how you get oils from a toad. Do you just squeeze the skin? I was going to ask the same question. I think it's you squeeze the skin until you get some liquids coming out that aren't soluble in water. Either okay. way, they say those are poisonous. And they might be right. I mean, we've seen, you know, the secretions be poisonous. And then here comes our boy Pliny. Again? Yeah. That dude. So anyway, uh, Pliny says that, here's the quote, uh, authors quite vie with one another in relating marvelous stories about these poisonous animals. Such, for instance, as that if they are brought into the midst of a concourse of people, silence will instantly prevail. As also that by throwing into... I'm trying to read this because uh, this it's, is difficult. it's in old speak. I'm not... It, I'm not dyslexic. <laughs> Some people would say otherwise, but I'm not dyslexic. <laughs> Continuing. As also that by throwing into boiling water a small bone that is found in their right side, the vessel will immediately cool, and the water refuse to boil again until the bone has been removed. So, what? that's interesting. What? Pliny's talking about, like, hell frogs that just, like, keep that shit going and, like, don't cool down? Anti-hell frogs. They stop things from boiling in general. But this is also the guy that says if you wear a oh, seal skin, cool. okay. you can't be struck by lightning. So, <laughs> well. <laughs> but also, he is Volcano Rescue 101. So I was, I was going to say, that dude, like. He went down as a badass. He went on swinging, that's for sure. Yeah. he uh, He's pretty high on the YOLO value scale. That's, uh, no. So, that was a. Uh, <laughs> you only died by lava once. But uh, so Pliny actually. You only lava once. <laughs> oh, there we go. There we go. I like that one. Oh, man. There might be some Hawaiians who say otherwise, but they haven't spoken about it. Uh, so that's Pliny. Here we go. In Mexico, Pliny. this is the last one that I could find in folklore. This is my favorite. It is believed that if a toad jumps on one's stomach, it so chills the person that he dies. <laughs> what? Um, I didn't write this down, but apparently. <laughs> what? Oh, man, it's just like, it's just gonna. It's more of like a, a Jimbo and Ned thing where it's like, he's coming right for us. And pretty much, man. Yeah, pretty much. Uh, and if a toad spits on people, it poisons them. You know what? Maybe right. All we know is that some toads, they can actually uh, shoot blood out their eye sockets and then just, you know scare people away I'll like, scare you off real quick but yeah so toads get a bad rap really they're not too much responsible for anything unless you directly try to lick or you know just grab them and put put them physically in your mouth and they have the right to defend themselves so ryan long they stand their ground ryan long story short can you get warts from toads yes no, or no that's a no okay it's a hard no you can get it from humans dirty dirty humans <laughs> i know a couple of those <laughs> next topic my last topic of the night is going to be Bats are blind? Question mark. No one knows. <laughs> so, but actually, first off, we know this is bullshit because he was called Batman and not Daredevil. So, so Christian Bale, go on, is blind. Affleck, maybe. So Ben Affleck <laughs> actually is blind because he was Daredevil, but then Batman. Exactly. That's the point I was the trying to make. Combination of the two roles. He Bat got so Devil. into them, and he gouged his own <laughs> eyes out. That little segment brought to you by Jacks of Trades. <laughs> <laughs> An interesting lore story for you. <laughs> um, actually, no, no, no. Actually, interesting lore story. Completely off topic. Daredevil, the thing that made him blind, apparently also made the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
like that little chemical that spill. So because Marvel has to hook everything together. Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles isn't Marvel. I know, but they'd find a way. Okay. Anyway, don't <laughs> ask me further. I don't want to go into it. Daredevil, TMNT imply that it's the same thing. Okay. Okay. Well, one thing that I learned uh, about this is that bats are the only mammals that can fly. It's not something that surprised me, but I never thought about it. And I was like, yeah, that totally makes sense. I don't know. It was just for a moment there. I was like, huh? Yeah. That sounds about right. <laughs> All right. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Um, so, yeah, before I get into this, though, like bats now, like I have a newfound love and respect for bats. I think they're pretty awesome. I've wanted a pet bat for a couple I, months, years now. Dude, I, th- I think they're like they're some of the most interesting creatures. The out flying there. foxes are adorable. Uh, most people don't consider bats to be cute, but the flying foxes are awesome. I mean, I, I don't have a problem with a bat being cute. Just like a lot of people don't think rats are cute, but I think otherwise rats are pretty cute. Very big balls. That's the only thing that bothers me about having a male <laughs> rat. <laughs> oh, well. We all have our own cross to bear. I right? went to Petco the other day. <laughs> <laughs> I went right. to Petco the other day with Carlene. We're like, oh, look at the cute rats. She's like, oh, uh, these must be the males. Was, I think it's my buddy. And then just like climbing all around you and just dragging them across your arm. I don't know if I could deal with that. I think it's my buddy. Donnie was just like, hi, my name's Simon Peter. I'm here to carry your cross for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right. So the working theory goes that bats are blind. And they rely on their hearing to move at night and to find their food. And uh, this could not be farther from the truth. You could ask Commissioner Gordon. So in reality, <laughs> bats can see. He's too busy dealing with his paralyzed daughter. <laughs> oh. She... I mean. Was it Barbara? Was that her name? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Also known as Oracle. Thank you. And Batgirl before that. I was going to get through all that. We literally just reviewed Batwoman and talked about Barbara the other day. <laughs> this segment brought to you by Jackson Trades. It's only because he just brought it up. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> all right, let's go. All right, anyway, reality, fault, yeah. In reality, bats fault. can see just as well, if not better, than humans with 2020 vision, actually. Um, which I didn't know their vision was that good. I knew they could see, but I didn't know it was actually as strong as it actually is. Um, yeah, and so they do I've th- heard that like they, they have bad vision, but they have the sonar to help. Well, them. so I think that's where some of it comes from is that somebody had a speech impediment and like, yeah, they have bat vision. And they're like, <laughs> oh, they have bad vision. Like, no, they have bat vision. Like, oh yeah, they got bad vision. <laughs> it so. was at a curry shop that this happened. <laughs> Bruh. Bruh. So they do this neat little feature called echolocation where they make noise and use that to determine where they want to move in and to find out what's in front of them. So wait, Greg, I know what you're saying. Rumor flies. I've never heard a bat make a noise like that when they're chasing me out of the cave and then I just ran away from there. Well, that's because it's high-pitched noise, Greg. You can't hear it. Oddly enough, some children can, actually. But it's it's the pitch is actually, the frequency is so high, you can't hear it. Oh, yeah. I remember there was like this thing um, back in the heyday of the internet. I mean, I think we were all in that threshold right when the internet was being very widely used. But there was something that was called like the, the, the cricket sound or like the teenager sound or something like that. Yeah. Where if you were under the age of, I want to say, it was an, ar- it was an arbitrary. It was like 16, it 17. Matter. You could hear this frequency, but people older than you couldn't. And I actually had that happen to me once when my TV, like it was the old dial TV that my parents had and mm-hmm. it was like malfunctioning, it was on, but like the screen wasn't on and I was getting driven nuts and they thought something was wrong with me, but then they hit the, the knob in and it stopped and they're like, oh my God, how'd my, you hear my that? My mom and I can both, it's on the old CRT. Yeah, it's on the yeah, CRT. Because uh, it uses an electron gun essentially in the back. 
Mm-hmm. Scan yeah. across, and um, some people are sensitive to the sound. I could hear a TV from a floor above or a floor below. Yeah, same with me. And yeah. and the weird thing I remember, I, I, I can't don't hear, hear anymore. Yeah, because yeah. there's no CRT TVs anymore. I remember really. reading like specifically about that that sound frequency. People used to use that as their ringtone for yeah, text messages. Yeah, and the, the cricket sound. Yeah, and the teachers couldn't hear it, and everyone and everyone like look, and the teachers like, what what's going on? What do you hear? Yeah, it's oh wow, I haven't thought about that in a while. You haven't had to. <laughs> That's true. I'm getting old. Uh, so the noise echoes back to the bats and like it pretty much gives them a status report of like what's ahead, how big it is, and then actually which direction that it is moving. So um, when it's chasing you out of the cave, it knows exactly where you are and and what speed you're moving and where your next move Let's is. Let's be fair. I don't think a bat is ever chasing a human out of a cave. Um, you don't know that. <laughs> uh, so but, so this actually is where it gets like really really cool so some researchers at at uh, tel aviv university decided to put this to the test and the results were just they were awesome so they got some bats and they put um recorders on them like they taped some recorders on, on their heads and they set them free <laughs> nailed it <laughs> that's what a recorder sounds like when a bunch of fifth graders are playing them we were the cutoff grade that didn't have to do that bullshit. That was awesome. Yeah, I, I didn't. Uh, I didn't have to experience that. I didn't have to play the recorder. So these researchers ended up capturing the bats a couple days later, and they compared the sounds that they heard on the recorder to the experiments that they actually did in a soundproof room. And and the awesome thing was is that. These bats use the same echolocation regardless of how much light is around in the room. So what that means is, is they still use their eyes, but no matter what's going on, they still use this echolocation, whether it's nighttime or daytime, to find their prey. It's a redundancy thing. Yeah, I mean, in a sense, but... Yeah. Like, I feel like if you put us in a kitchen where a very tasty meal, like, say, a nice, like, um, uh, chicken or... Uh, Crab, crab meat omelet. Yeah, I don't. Cooked. I don't need echolocation. I'll find that immediately. Yeah, you can just close your eyes and and <laughs> smell your way over to it. But having your eyes to help with it is also good. You can get there faster. I can see that. It's just you know backup systems. That's like, that's actually a really good example because these researchers found that echolocation was actually twice as effective as their site was at at finding food at low light. That's actually pretty cool. Well, I mean, think about it this way though. This this is the part that like kind of blows my mind. Bats are taking two different sets of data and information from two different senses, and they're integrating them together to construct a single image. That is kind of interesting. Like, that's pretty badass. Yeah, because, I mean, I think humans are primarily sight. I mean, without a doubt. Minus Daredevil. Like, actually getting, like, the elect... Like, or say, you know, sharks can put in, like electromag- electric pulses and stuff like that. And then, but getting like an echolocation thing to the point where it almost adds another layer of what you actually like see. And I guess you're, for lack of a better term, mind's eye. That'd be really cool. Like, you, people can train themselves to do echolocation. It's a real thing. Deaf people do it. Like, you can hear deaf yeah, people yeah, like yeah, walking yeah. down a campus or something with their stick. The reason why they tap sometimes is it's actually to, exactly get, the same to get that little echolocation click. And, you know, people with sight can actually train themselves to do it, too, by doing, like, this little clicking system with their mouth. Like, um, I remember seeing a program where a guy rode a bike, a, a blind guy rode a bike just using clicks. But, huh, that's pretty cool. Yeah, it, it was really interesting to watch. But I, I'm Was it still, a Tesla bike? No, it was not a Tesla okay. bike. But I am still going back to the idea of they taped a bunch of the actual recorder instrument to a bunch of bats. And yes. since they can't cover the holes, it's all one tone as the thousands of bats are flying out of a cave. 
I mean, there was actually something that I read. It's in the show notes. I, I forget which website that it was, but it, it brought up a really interesting question as to why bats can do this, but birds can't. Um, and it was just, and, and the simple answer was bats evolved at a much faster rate than birds did. And that's why they're able to do it. You've seen the mirrors on the birds. I mean, I think that mammals have been, they're also the most recently evolved organisms. Uh, I'm probably a little bit wrong on that, but for the most part, like, you know, mammals are much uh, Wait, younger. Wait, you smell that? It smells like a penalty shot in the near future. Possibly. I'll take it. <laughs> Whatever. Uh, mammals um, are a lot less, to, like, are a lot younger in the evolutionary scale than reptiles and birds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I guess, you know, for birds, if it ain't broke, don't fix it type of deal. Pretty That's much. How, I mean, look at alligators. They haven't evolved much in the past few million years. They don't need to. So I, I assume birds, you know, they don't have the most advanced hearing, it seems like. But, I mean, bats, you've seen those, like, satellite dishes on them. Like, they yeah. definitely use their ears. So, And I think that people just use that as, like, a way to say, like, oh, well, they obviously can't see this, so they have to hear anything. But that's just not true. Uh, so next time somebody says that you're as blind as a bat, you can uh, point them to this episode of Rumor Flies. Well, also, there's many different types of bats. Like, you've seen, like, the little tiny ones, like the uh, the vampire bats, like mm-hmm. the, the fruit bats that, like, horrendously ugly and also have very tiny eyes. That I would believe they're blind. But when you look at, like, my favorite one, the flying fox, which literally looks like a fox with wings, it has, like, big almost anime eyes or, like, Disney eyes that are just, like, so sympathetic and, like, you know, cute. They're just, like... <laughs> Those things can't be blind. They have to be that developed for a reason. I don't think those guys are blind. Well, they're actually trying to use the the vampire bat as a way to um, construct because there's a certain enzyme in them that prevents bl- like the things that they bite from the blood like leaking out after proteinase K maybe. Uh, I I forget what it's. Well, they're calling it like. Um, no, that has to be off. I'm it, forget it's I said that. Like with the experimental like dr- like name is what they're calling it is like the Dracula drug or something like that. It's essentially something they're trying to like evolve from bats so that way it'll stop like I what I assume they use it for is like wartime situations where they stop excessive bleeding and things like that. It would have to be the opposite because I imagine that vampire bats would have to have something in their teeth that causes well, it stops coagulation of blood. Yes. Like it causes it to flow more because then you actually suck it there. So um it has to be the opposite of something like that. No, no, no. Because when they when they drink blood out of you, it's only like a like a tablespoon of blood or something like that. It's not a lot. Oh, so they could just do like start stop type of deal. Exactly. That's really interesting. Yeah. Okay. That, that's why they go after cows and stuff like that. What? <laughs> no, no, no. That's like why multiple of them will go after one cow. Oh, okay. Yeah, I forgot a word. Oh, Bessie's <laughs> just the buffet of the night. Pretty much. Mm, that's sad. But yeah, so uh, bats are not blind. That's uh, that's nonsense. It's bullshit. Okay, so should I round it out now? Round it out. This is kind of a double whammy. I'm going to be talking about the memory of two different animals. The first one is going to be elephants, and the second one is going to be our favorite animal, the goldfish. Mm-hmm, yeah. So the quote that everybody knows about elephants is that elephants never forget. Okay. So this can be very helpful for them if we're going by this because... If you lost a bet and the elephant's a bookie against you, it'll know exactly how much you owe it. But also think about the bad side of this. You know about when you're trying to go to sleep and you just automatically think of like one of the most embarrassing moments of your life? Oh, you mean every night when I close my eyes? Yeah. Okay. Elephants remember all of those from even birth. Like, so, I mean, yeah, it's pretty bad. You've probably filtered out a few from your childhood. 
like traumatic experiences, elephants don't get that convenience that's according alcohol, to this myth. That's what the alcohol's for. It just destroys more of those those brain cells. Yeah, they don't have elephant rum, so mm, that's you don't a problem. Know that. You don't know that. Uh, I don't. <laughs> you don't know that. <laughs> but I don't know enough about elephants to really contest that. With I you. can't say anything to contradict that. <laughs> so we're gonna nip this one in the butt real quick. Uh, we could have talked about the elephants being scared of mice. According to Mythbusters, who do a lot more work than we do. A little bit. Yes. They are afraid of mice. They have a whole little video segment. Go look it up. Whatever. Oh, it's a lot more funded. Yes, a lot <laughs> yeah. more. F- a little bit. Look little at bit Greg defending us. Look at Greg defending us. I wrote a message to Adam Savage, and he didn't answer me. <laughs> How dare he? Right? <laughs> Savage. It's not like they have a new show or something. They do? do? They? Isn't White Rabbit Project, though? <laughs> yeah, but that's not, that's not Adam and Jamie. Oh. Wait, I thought it was them. I, I know there's it. like Brain Candy, which is uh, Vsauce and Adam Savage. No, this no, this one's like Netflix, but it's not Adam. Oh, and I Jamie. thought White Rab Project was their thing. I, I, I haven't watched maybe. it, so I have no idea. I, I, I haven't watched it either. I don't think it is Sorry, though. I'm creating fake news. That's we're used to it. Well, we don't know either, so we'll believe you. So, uh, turns out that the research on this elephant memory is pretty recent. It's uh, So I have a quote here. In 2007, researchers at the University of St. Andrews in Scotland placed... Scotland. Peppa! (laughs) Real quick, it's the build team from Mythbusters. That's why I thought that. That's why I thought it wasn't Adam and Jamie. Yeah, yeah. Okay, sorry. Go ahead. So uh, St. Andrews in Scotland placed urine samples in front of female elephants at the Ambroselli National Park in Kenya. I'm going to assume it's elephant urine samples, but they didn't say specifically. According to Scientific American, the elephants, quote, acted up when they smelled the urine that didn't come from an elephant that is in their herd. So, yeah, it was elephant urine. Mm -hmm. Uh, The researchers conclude that elephants can recognize and track as many as 30 of their companions. That's pretty crazy to me. Just by scent. So it's just be like you walk in the room, it's like, this smells like Greg. Or this smells like Ryan. Not only that... You walk into a bathroom and be like, Greg pissed in here recently. <laughs> Greg? So, Greg's here? Greg? So actually, that's very interesting in the fact that like they have that type of memory involved. Number two, that it's that tied to their olfactory sense. That's just me tying that one in because I really think that like our least associative sense in terms of like as humans is smell. It's important nonetheless, but I really feel like, you know, most of the time you have like certain songs that you associate with a certain time frame in your life or a certain like uh, picture or, you know, uh, uh, food or something like that, you know. But I really think that smell is not one of those things where you're just like – I think the most thing that I can associate that was like a baseball field. Like I know what um, baseball games smell like with the field between being just like that red dirt or something like that. But okay, like, but at the same time, I don't time, think it's the strongest scent association. I don't know. There's times when like I smell, I'll smell a lady's perfume, and like my ex may have worn it. Yeah, you know, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe it's just a person by person case. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe that's the that maybe that's the thing. Um, but getting back to elephants, um, an elephant sanctuary in Tennessee. This one's kind of interesting. Uh, so number one, that's showing that elephants actually do have a very good memory. But never forgets that might be an exaggeration. But uh, some backup information. At an elephant sanctuary in Tennessee in 1999, an elephant named Jenny, Janay, thank you, uh, <laughs> became very animated when it saw a new elephant na- that named Shirley arrived. Don't call me Shirley. <laughs> uh, we miss you, Liam Neeson. Oh, wait. <laughs> 
That was Leslie Leslie Nelson. <laughs> Not Liam Neeson. Leslie Nelson. <laughs> Leslie Nielsen. Leslie Nielsen. <laughs> that was my bad. Oh my god, please keep that. Uh <laughs> <laughs> Someone's going to be like, Liam Neeson died, and when was he in an airplane? Fake news. Uh, so, <laughs> after looking into the animal's backgrounds, workers at the sanctuary found out that the two had performed the same circus for only a few months, wow. 22 years earlier. So, it's almost like a VFW for elephants, yeah. uh, <laughs> where they just talk about their war stories. <laughs> war stories, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, back in Namia, we just throw them peanuts at us, uh, man, I don't know. How long do you have to balance the ball for, Shirley? <laughs> So I'm not a smart man, Jen. <laughs> so I feel I really you. bad for the elephants because, like, it's actually them almost like sharing their like traumatic experiences. Because, yeah. like, I think the Ringling Brothers recently stopped doing their uh, the elephant acts. It's either Ringling or Barnum and Bailey. No, Barnum and Bailey shut down. Oh, they're completely gone. They, like, as of, didn't they just have their last show? Like, yeah, they weeks just, ago. Yeah. They're like, they're so, donezo. Well, I think Elephant Axe now are completely off the table. But it's it's sad at the same time, but it's, it's like one of those things that we're just like, you remember that shit that we had to go through? Like, and just Elephant's just like, mm, girl, yeah, I remember that. So that's awesome, though, that like 22 years later, they recognize each other. But anyway, Elephants, it just shows that they actually do have a very good memory. But Elephants are actually extremely fascinating animals. Uh, a little bit extra facts about them is that elephants also have very similar brains to humans, particularly in the hippocampus and cerebrocortex areas. Why don't they have an elephant campus? Why is it a hippocampus? I don't know. We have the hippocampus, too. We don't have a human campus, unless it's like a college campus. Do hippos have a hippocampus? I don't know. Greg, you're on that one. <laughs> you don't feel obligated to get back to us on it. Give me uh, the phrasing you want me to look up. Just look up, do hippos have hippocampuses? <laughs> I hope that doesn't come up in the auto search for Google. <laughs> I kind of hope it does. So, does a hippo's brain have a hippocampus, or is that a college for? Hold Or is that a college for hippos? <laughs> See, there's dozens of us out there. <laughs> and then the first ad is University of Phoenix. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's great. And of course, this is on. Yahoo answers. Oh, even better. First hit. So, <laughs> hippopotamus can also have a basic understanding of arithmetic. Uh, wait, the, wait. Hippopotamus can have a basic understanding of arithmetic? <laughs> it's a, a hip. Hip hop. Hip hop anonymous. So, aside from having similar brains to humans, elephants can have a basic understanding of arithmetic. They use several forms of communication, including like a type of like infrared from their stomping. I think they meant to say infrasound from their stomping. Yeah, that doesn't sound right. From where I read it. And they're also able to reproduce basic melodies and can recognize themselves in a mirror. So, that puts them ahead of many info warriors as it is. So, <laughs> uh, they're fascinating animals. They don't know about this colloidal silver. But also going back to the VFW, uh, elephants. <laughs> By the way, my dad's at the VFW like five nights a week now. Really? I'm not even joking. Your dad has retired like, what, six times now? I don't now? know, man. I don't know. So uh, elephants can also have ceremony, ceremonial burials uh, to mourn their dead, which is really sad. I'll get to that in a second. But they can also suffer from PTSD. Oh. So once again, that's what Shirley and Jenna were going through. They were probably like, remember that shit? So, 
funny but not funny type of deal, they probably remember themselves from a bit of trauma. Like, I think that's what might have been an issue. Uh, so it's kind of weird. I'm trying to think of what an elephant, like, in the way I put these show notes, it's going a bit backwards. But when I first read it, I was like, how can an elephant have PTSD? Then I read the story about Jenny and she was like, oh, that's how they can have PTSD. They were whipped into remembering these trips. You don't that, you remember know. Topsy? Oh, yeah. They'll say, autopsy at my autopsy. Yeah, uh, I remember that one. Bob's Burgers is great. Um, but to make things a bit sad towards the end of this, I'm sorry. We're, we're going to have one little more topic after this. This is a fascinating but heartbreaking quote. I'll just go right into it. Elephant researcher uh, Martin Meredith recalls in his book an occurrence of a typical elephant death ritual as witnessed by Anthony Hall Martin, a South African biologist who has studied elephants in Otto, South Africa for over eight years. The entire family of a dead matriarch, including her young calf, were all gently touching her body with their trunks, trying to lift her. The elephant herd were all rumbling loudly. The calf was observed to be weeping and made a sound that sounded like a scream. But then the entire herd fell incredibly silent. They began to throw leaves and dirt over the body and broke off tree branches to cover her. They spent the next two days quietly standing over the body. They sometimes had to leave to get water or food, but they would always return. Wow. Like, that's incredibly heartbreaking. Dude, I saw a gif the other, for the first time the other day, and it was somebody brought their dog. Like, some somebody died, and they brought the dog to the gravesite, and, like, the dog was, like, weeping and crying. Yeah, they've always had, like, the whole trope, which is actually true in a few cases. Oh, God, of, like, um, like, it, it kills me. I, I remember reading something about Napoleon, actually. Like, you know, he was talking about how he's seen all these different, like, deaths, and he's conquered so many different nations. But the thing that got to him made him break down was seeing a dog, like, barking or, like, crying next to a soldier that was its owner. And that was kind of touching to me. I was like, wow, Napoleon had a little bit of a heart, but Jesus, like, What's the episode of Futurama? Everyone cites Jurassic Park. Yeah, it's, something about animals and dogs. That whole like lack it's of the culpability. Yeah, it's, it's the it's innocence. A, they've done no wrong. They don't even understand. It's it's that kind of thing. Speaking of dog, innocence, though. elephants are also capable of killing a swath of villagers when they are in a hormonal rage called must. Um, <laughs> That's a, that's a. I love this turn. One eighty. Yeah. So to circle back to not feeling bad about elephants and showing how they can be just as terrible as humans. Actually, no. It was kind of like Futurama when Zoidberg went crazy during the hormonal season of his. Um, but this thing called must is really fascinating because like there are times where elephants have to be chained up if they're under ownership because they will kill anything and anyone around them because they're just trying to assert dominance over anything and anyone around them. Uh, there was a. Um, a short story called by George Orwell that I had to read in high school called shooting an elephant. That is about that where uh, it was an elephant was going through this must phase and uh, killed an Indian villager. And the narrator, which was supposedly a autobiographical George Orwell had to shoot this elephant because it was expected of him. Cause it was kind of like the thing to do. And it was the, the whole monologue going through his head. And it's a very interesting type of like look into colonialism. So I have a question. Yeah. Are we going to talk about goldfish? We're going to talk about goldfish. Okay. <laughs> that wraps up elephants. And okay. now Josh just like, let's get goldfish. So, um, goldfish have a three second memory. And, um, I will say almost thought I had an easy out on this one. Cause I saw something when I, I searched that, that snapple fact. 
On a Snapple fact, yeah. yeah. Dude, I remember how I used to have a shoebox full of those Snapple facts on the yeah. caps? Yeah, that was awesome. Went through all of them. Some of them were wrong. So anyway, uh, I thought I had an easy out because when I searched the goldfish memory on Google, it came up with goldfish memory as a Wikipedia article. I was like, ha, 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 I'm going to get the easy one out on this one. Turns out it was for some 2003 Irish romance movie, which, <laughs> uh, interestingly enough, the reviews for it... They were A, a vapid relationship comedy reminiscent of the sponsorship ads that wrap around the commercials during TV's Friends. And then secondly, forgettable. So uh, I thought that was appropriate, right? Right? Eh? Eh? And it's no wonder that people would possibly think that this goldfish memory thing, which I I put more than 20 minutes into finding the origin for this one. Oh, thanks, Ryan. Yeah, it might have been 25, 26. Okay. We'll go with 40 to make me seem like a martyr for this one. 23 and one half minutes. Yeah, it was a long time. But uh, it's no wonder because goldfish brains are about 380,000 times smaller than a newborn human's. So you wouldn't think there might be much, you know, ram in there. So, uh, (laughs) okay, fair enough. Yeah, or, or storage, you know, that wouldn't be able to, you know, keep too much in there. And it turns out that this is much shorter than elephants. It turns out that Mythbusters actually did a test on this with mazes, where the point where Jamie uh, did a, a little bit of a maze in a tank, and then so did Adam, and they just had separate goldfish, and they tried to train them to pretty much be able to find the food at the end of the maze, which is essentially just like three different holes and walls in the tank mm-hmm. uh, that they had to go through, and they would do time trials for them over a span of, I want to say, 45 days, and see if the time was cut down. So Jamie's did have a... I guess what they would consider to be a significant cut in time. And Adams, no difference. They were still just like eating their own poop in their, in the tank <laughs> from the quote from them. And they didn't really progress much at all to find their food through the maze. I wouldn't call that conclusive evidence one way or another, especially in terms of like time variance. Yeah. Cause I understand the reasoning behind of doing the mazes where they can train them for a maze. And if they manage to do the maze, in shorter time intervals, exactly what a learning curve is. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, by the end of it, if they can prove a significant decrease in the time it is to you know complete the maze, that would show that their memory is not, in fact, three seconds. However, it turns out that a 15-year-old from Australia did a better job than the Mythbusters, in my humble opinion. Okay. What this kid did, and this is, uh, once again, very recent. This was in, like, the, I want to say, 2008 at the very... Earliest. I can't get to the exact date of the article. It's in the show notes. But this 15-year-old from Australia decided he was going to do his own test, and he used something that is a very basic concept, the the Pavlovian dogs. I think we've mentioned this before, uh, conditioning. Yeah, uh, oh, yeah, we've covered that a bunch of times, yeah. He did the exact same thing. It's been tried over and over again. Like, did they ring a bell and got a piece of food? or? Now, what this smart little f***er did was he took a Lego brick and just put it in the fish tank with a bunch of goldfish every time he fed the goldfish and like put the food around the Lego brick. Okay. And he kept doing this for a series of days or weeks. And then he went away for about 10 days or so and didn't do that. When he came back, all he did was put the Lego brick into the tank and they started flocking to it. So So they learned and they remembered. Not only that, he was suggesting that they were actually starting to move towards that area of the tank before he would even show up. So they almost had like a time of day programmed into them. Oh. So that shows very well so that 
three seconds is complete BS. Yeah. Like I, I think that that just throws that one straight out the window. Yeah, I, I would I would tend to agree with that as well. That makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of wraps up the goldfish thing. I, I could go longer into it, and I don't, I don't feel like getting too many goldfish facts, but um, there. Unless Goldfish wants to sponsor us, and we'll talk about it all day. Yeah, I'm not, dude. I will take any sponsorships. I will take. <laughs> I will make a Goldfish Bunny Bread sandwich. I'll take any sponsor. You know what? If you run a small business, just we are cheap dates. We will sponsor you. Well, you, you can sponsor us. For, we can't sponsor anyone. Yeah, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> no, we will take a sponsorship from you on the low low. But anyway, and plus on the low low, we'll give you our pitch. But anyway, um. That I one. got a great pitch. Unbelievable. You wouldn't believe it. Okay. It'll make your head spin. It'll make your ears <laughs> fall off. All right. Okay. <laughs> All right. We have our fun. All right. So anyway, uh, that wraps up this episode. Uh, Josh, you got any other little bits that you want to talk about before we have Greg do our lead out? Shout out to Bridget, who I believe gave Ryan his first. She, she pointed out the first penalty shot you're going to have for the season, correct? Yeah. So oh. that email about sleep. Yeah, that's right. That'll be fun. Yeah. So yeah, shout yeah. out to my, Go ahead. my buddy Bridget. My defense. She was on the cutting edge of the research. All right. <laughs> she had to look really hard for that. Well, it doesn't matter. Still counts. Actually, I'm pretty no, sure she drew okay. it from memory and then confirmed. <laughs> okay. No, I'm not contesting it. <laughs> but She's good technically work on correct. The best kind of correct. That being said, actually, no, we'll mention that right now. Uh, one of Greg's friends decided to call me out on me saying we don't exactly know why sleep exists. She found a very valid reason for it, and we will post it on the Facebook, and I'll probably circle back to it the next episode since we don't have it right in front of us yeah, right now. Yeah, it it's actually a really interesting article. So um, anyway, Greg, you want to leave us out? Sure. So once again, thank you all for listening to Rumor Flies. Um, you can find us at rumorfliespodcast.com. You can email us at rumorflies at gmail.com. You can hit us at, at rumorflies on Twitter and Instagram, facebook.com slash rumorflies, rumorflies on Google Plus for that sweet, sweet SEO, youtube.com slash C slash rumorflies as our YouTube channel. If you YouTube rumorflies, it's definitely us. Um, I believe that about, oh yeah, we hey, have a great. core do account a, now. Do we have a core now? We do have a core account. I am running There's around. The answer. Yep. Um, I'm, I've been, you'll, if you're on core, you maybe see me running around talking about film and podcasting, all kinds of fun stuff. Greg won't let us answer questions no, on there. Not allowed. They haven't asked for the login. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, if y'all, please, as always, consider leaving us a review on iTunes. We love five stars, but, you know, obviously, be honest with us. We read every single one of them. We discuss every single one of them. <laughs> no, we discuss every <laughs> yeah, single yeah, one Yeah, we're going to go ahead and, yeah, we, we, we talk about them thoroughly. We've only also, passively aggressively, passive aggressively posted one bad review. And, and let's not fool anyone. It wasn't we. Okay, it was me. But it, was, it was because of his comment about the British accent. That know, was just I know, I so know. funny. I know. Don't give him the time of day. Oh, That's how they win. It, 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 was, it didn't even merit one star. I appreciate the yeah, two stars. Yeah, I appreciate star you guys gave us two least. stars. So props to him. It I, was, was uh, like, I was like, 40%. That's almost If you're not still failing. listening, dude, we appreciate you sticking it out. But um, anyway, yeah, please leave. Cause Thank you for putting us up with us liberals. Oh, God. But right. The debunker movement. But please uh, consider, uh, you know, leaving us a review. Thank you all for listening. As always, we do take every bit of feedback seriously. We respond to every message, post, and everything that we can. And uh, we just love the interaction and get some of our best content from it. So all jokes aside, thank you. 
and please reach out if you have any thoughts, concerns, or questions. And we are also part of the Dark Myths Collective. Yes, yes. Um, you can check us out and a bunch of other really awesome podcasts at darkmyths.org. Um, we're always adding a bunch of new people in here. We probably have a new collaboration coming up with a fellow podcast uh, in the not too distant future. It's very excited about that. Um, and that's going to be awesome. So just a little whistle weta for you people. Um, See, it's catching song. on. He has a ska song for his intro. It made me so happy. <laughs> uh, so, but I, does that? Does that, I think we about covered everything, right, guys? That's it. For this All episode right. of Rumor Flies. I'm Ryan. I'm Josh. And I'm Greg. Within the media. media. Oh! This episode's closing song is called "We've Never Met, But We Can Have a Coffee or Something" by In Love with a Ghost. <laughs>